more and more people came on, more and more people joined. And then we put a name to it after maybe like the first six months leading up to our first race. It was just six of us um, that were, were going out to, to race. And then after we did our first race and, and started doing kind of like group and community workouts, it turned into like 113 people. So Hey folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Mason. So this week is going to be a little bit different. This Throwback Thursday isn't necessarily going to be a throwback. It's going to be featuring an interview from my other show, Without Compromise, that's hosted through Athletic Brewing, the non-alcoholic brewery I work for. Uh, This is an episode that just came out with us a a couple weeks ago, and it's an interview featuring Marcus Fitz. He's a triathlon coach and just triathlon advocate really uh in the dc area and he's all about bringing you know people of color and unrepresented groups into the world of triathlons we're going to learn a little bit today about how he discovered triathlons why he loves it so much and why he's so passionate about bringing everyone into the world of triathlons um so i thought it'd be a really cool interview to feature and also literally yesterday marcus won the USA Triathlon Coach of the Year Community Impact Award. So that's a huge honor, and I thought it was just great timing to feature him. You know, on Monday, we talked about Barry Cruz, who's learning lessons and teaching lessons from adventure sports um, for leadership and for business leadership and for just life lessons. And I think Marcus's story is on that same thread of what his triathlons taught him, what his getting out there and doing these crazy challenges and adventures, what that has taught him, what that can teach us, and how he's using it to make a difference in his community. I just think it's really cool. So congratulations, Marcus, again. It was a pleasure talking to you, and uh, here is the episode. Marcus, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm feeling pretty well. It's uh, it's a it's a cold and dreary, I guess Tuesday here in DC. But um, you know I'm still I'm riding positive energy. Got my run in this morning, had some coffee, and ready to have a great conversation. Oh man, uh, we were talking a little bit before we hit record just about kind of some of the changes you've seen in like the DC, kind of just the community in general of, over the last few years. Is that where you were raised or where you call you call home now but where are you originally from so i was born in dc and i was pretty much raised between dc and uh maryland pg county to be specific so i went to high school pretty much between both up until college and i went to school in uh georgia savannah college of art and design and that's really where i guess i found myself and kind of came into my to my own where I knew I guess a little bit more direction and how I wanted to create impact not just within my community in DC but just impact across the board and when I came back home to DC then it really I it just helped grow I, I definitely found myself growing as an adult and as an individual you, you know, you're known for triathlons now and, and, and growing that sport. 
but from what I know, you didn't you, you didn't start out doing that. It was more like ball sports. Could you, could you tell us like your what 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 sports you were introduced to early on and how your athletic kind of uh, uh, career grew from there and and how it evolved? Yeah, I I guess going way way back from the beginning. Um, one of the things that my parents wanted me to do before I did anything, before I took a baseball or football, my mom, she wouldn't let me do any sports until I learned how to swim. Oh man. She enrolled me into this program that they had, uh, called the guppy, the guppy program. And this was, this was in DC. And honestly, I can't even remember what what pool it was at this point, but I floated between this guppy program. And then when I graduated from the guppy program, they had the Sharks and the Sharks was at Bowie State University and Prince George's Community College. So between they had the shark program um, and I did like a, I want to say like an eight and under swim, like competitive program to get me going. And then once I was able to swim, I got into like, you know, the typical mainstream sports, basketball, football, track. Um, and then I fell in love with track and football. And that's pretty much what I played up until um, college. And uh, when my, my body just couldn't, couldn't handle it. Um, the sport, I got banged up I had a couple surgeries and I had to look for something else. And that's when I picked up swimming again and I still had it. Um, and I ended up getting a swim and track scholarship in college, which kind of like, I guess, started this whole multi-sport journey. Cause I was only already doing, I didn't know it at the time, but I was already swimming and running. I just needed to add in the bike. No kidding, man. You were, you were doing two out of three already. And, you know, it's so interesting that, that you got started in swimming first. And I'm sure in a lot of ways that helped. Um, that's usually the most challenging part for people Absolutely. jumping into triathlons. But for you, that was your strength or one of your strengths. W- when did you start getting into triathlons? And what was, what, what was it, you know, initially just, you know, tough? I hear it all the time, like, oh, God, I hated my first triathlon. But then I fell in love after a couple of them or just kind of the routine of, of getting ready for one. What, what was it for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've always loved sports and the biggest thing for me, like when I moved back to DC, uh, I would commute, uh, to work. So I worked downtown. Um, and I, I had done my first half marathon in 2014 in like Copenhagen. So when I was over there, I, I bought, I saw like how, how people's lifestyles were like bikes were the king of the road. So I'm like, Oh my God, these bikes I get, are beautiful. So I bought like this super retro, um, still, uh, like 30 year old Bianchi set up completely Euro style. So I brought it back with me on the plane and, um, this was going to be like my commuter bike. So I wouldn't have to like drive or, or anything and commute. And so a year later, after doing all this running, um, I was part of a run club uh, when I got back. And I think I just got bored with running. And so fast forward another year, um, I was having a lot of knee issues. Um, so I go into the orthopedic um, 
And he's like, yeah, we're going to your knee keeps dislocating. because I was playing basketball, too, and, and I would have a lot of knee pain. He's like, actually, your knee is dislocating like every time you move laterally. So you, your your future of running is going to get cut short unless you have surgery. So I'm like, oh, man, here we go. Another knee surgery. So I'm gearing up for that. And so what the doctor recommended is that I pick something to train for so that I go into the surgery strong. And so that's exactly what I did. So I'm looking at all these things that uh, what can I do that doesn't involve lateral movement? It's like something I can do that's not just running where I can go in just one straight line. And that happened to be a triathlon. So I'm like, all right, I've never done a triathlon, but I can swim and I can run and it's in a straight line. And I got this bike. So here we go. And I start training, not really seriously, but whatever um, very basic training looks like. I'm swimming, biking, um, really commuting and running. And so uh, my first race was the Nations Triathlon in D.C. in 2015. So I think that race was in it was on September 11th. And my surgery was December of 2015. And that's really when my triathlon journey started. And I was instantly hooked um, at that point. So what was it about triathlons to you that that hooked you, maybe more than some of the other sports you were doing? I mean, I think every sport you get what you put in, right? You get out what you put in. and But triathlon is a little different because you have no choice. Like you can't be a casual triathlete right? Hmm. I think other sports, you can be a casual athlete. Like I can be casual basketball player. I can be a casual runner. I can just put on some run shoes and go for like a one mile run if I want. And it doesn't hurt me financially. It doesn't hurt my body, but triathlon, you can't, you have to be invested in multiple ways because it involves one, so much equipment. And then the time that you have to put in it, because nobody wants to like fail, you, you know, nobody wants to have a miserable time doing this endurance event. You, you know, it's, it, it can be as short as you want, or it can be as long as you want. And the fun is really up to how much work you put into it, um, to enjoy the experience from start to finish. Um, and I think that's part of it. It's challenging. And anything that's challenging for me is just, it's, it's the process, right? You fall in love with the process. And I think that's the most exciting thing to triathlon and all the people that you meet within that process, because you have to do cross training, you have to stretch, you have to do yoga, you have to watch what you eat. And we're not even talking about on a super competitive level. That's just like 101, you know, so it only gets better the the more I guess, um, competitive that you want to push yourself in and be within the sport. I've never thought about it like, like that. Um, you have to commit 100%. You're right. There are no casual, everyone that I know is that's a triathlete is an intense person. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like everyone, I would say that's pretty good at it. It's like, dang, they, it's, it's like a, it's like a big chunk of their life. Do you think it draws a certain type of person? Whereas other sports, you know, maybe, maybe you can just afford to be a little more laid back about it. I I think it takes a certain type of, I think it definitely appeals to a certain type of person. I think anybody can do it, but it's, it's the 
the dedication and the prioritization of your life that you have to kind of restructure. So it creates positive influence into other aspects of your life. And, and I think if you're not or not willing to reprioritize or restructure your life, it doesn't set you up for success in the sport. Um, so like time management, like work life balance, it's like, and, the, and then the sacrifice that you give is like, all right, well, brunch is big here in DC. Like, all right, am I going to go to sleep early so that I can wake up and train? Or am I going to like stay up and party, sleep in, and then go to brunch the next day and like try to train in between? And the odds are, if you do all that, you're, there's training's not happening or it's going to be very poor quality, which you might not even have trained in the first place. So there's a little bit of sacrifice and just kind of the balance and even how you approach work within your job, like that, that balance and that structure and that prioritization flows into your, your work life as well. And I think it has positive influence on so many different aspects, at least of my life personally. And I find that other people have had similar experiences. I just think it adds value, but it can create issues if your priority is more on the social side. Um, so it just depends on what your priorities are, but I think it does draw um, a certain personality type. It's a lot of pain you're going through just to get some social, get a little social life in there sprinkled in. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's crazy. So I had, when I, when you go to get certified, as a, as a USA triathlon coach, part of the curriculum goes over how to manage um, your athletes' relationships at home. Because with the training loads, they show that a lot of relationships deteriorate if the partner or if their spouse isn't in the sport as well or may not understand that, all right, they have to wake up early or stay out late to get training in and that they're not cheating or, you know, different scenarios to right. go over with athletes right. <laughs> because of so much time is being taken away from their like day-to-day -day life. Because it is such a time suck. And it's also, you know, triathlons, it, something that it requires a lot of is gear. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about before with the impact and trying to break down barriers, I think that's, I mean, that's one that no matter like race or gender, or something that that just seems to be a, a, a general barrier that's hard to overcome for a lot of people. And, you know, one, one of one of the alliances that I try to make with with brands and corporations is is what how can we work together to kind of break down some of those barriers to create more access to the sport? Because the sport's not that big, you know, and and there's obvious reasons why. Um, beyond just awareness and, and um, you know, the expense of the sport, definitely you look at the main demographic of people who participate in the sport from an age standpoint and they're, it's like mid thirties on up and everybody below that is struggling just to participate financially. Oh yeah. I, I did my first triathlon at 22 and I mean, I was eating ramen noodles. I was in college still. It was hard enough just to get in to the race. And then it right. was like, where am I going to get a bike? Where am I? I got to get the shoes. I've got to get all this stuff. And then I got to find time to train between working and school. And, and you're right. It's almost, 
it's built for a certain type of person in a certain, you know, time of life almost. Uh, but so, you know, you trying to make it accessible for folks to compete in this sport, tell us a little bit about what you're doing with district triathlon and then, and then with grit USA, I'd, I'd love to hear kind of where those ideas came from because there's, there's a lot of people just content with pursuing their goals with, with athletic achievement, but you try to expand that or, or you are expanding that to other people to get other people into the sport. And I'd love to hear where that idea started and, and, and how you started pursuing it. I still think about like what it, what was that route? And I, I, I did another podcast with a PT and um, we kind of zoned in on kind of, or tried to zone in on like really what was the moment or it's like, all right, this this is what I should do and why I should do that. And I think it stemmed. So I was a high school swim coach after I moved back home from I, I graduated from college. I'd moved to Dallas, um, spent almost two years in Dallas and then came back. And within that year, um, for the next six years, I was coaching. I was a varsity swim coach at Northwestern High School predominantly um, Black and Hispanic community. And outside of mainstream sports, there wasn't a lot of participation. And you should see kids suffering to be a part of something or, or desiring to be a part of something. And they, they couldn't. They couldn't participate in football because of skill or talent or whatever. And so trying to recruit kids to be on a swim swim team for health and wellness benefits, but also to show them that there's other avenues and pathways to get into college. Like for a lot of people, it's not just about enjoying the sport, um, but academics isn't a strength as well. And so there has to be, if they can't make it to college by grades, how, what are other pathways to make it to, to, to college to get a higher education. And so that was kind of like part of the focus is like creating new pathways to introduce youth to a higher education. I think that's where it all started. And so when, when I got out of all that and when I went through my knee surgery and I was going through my road to recovery and people, I realized that a lot of my peers and a lot of my friends didn't know how to swim, I would invite them to the pool with me because swimming was the only thing that I could do coming out of surgery. Um, I would help them learn how to swim. Um, and then they would be motivation for me to keep pressing and keep pursuing um, just my general strength and getting back into athletics. Um, and so that just kind of snowballed into triathlon. Now everybody was like, all right, well, I see what you're doing. You had all this fun. I'm learning how to swim. Let's sign up for our first triathlon. And more and more people came on, more and more people joined. And then we put a name to it um, after maybe like the first six months leading up to our first race. It was just six of us um, that were, were going out to, to race. And then after we did our first race and, and started doing kind of like group and community workouts, um, it turned into like 113 people. So about five, nice. I guess going on six years ago, that's when the birth of district triathlon, uh, happened. Um, and then what I guess at this point, 
two, almost three years ago, took it from this grassroots kind of um, initiative to forming a nonprofit. And then last year, I had created uh, Grit USA, which is kind of on the different end of the spectrum. We created this thing to introduce new athletes to the sport of triathlon, but there still remained like a void once people started getting good and taking the sport more seriously. But there was nothing to bridge the gap between like, all right, uh, you've gotten your feet wet. Now what's next? So we created this development program to kind of bridge that gap between recreational athletes and like elite level athletes for people that wanted to take their training to the next step so that we can fulfill the other void that didn't exist yet. And so I think we're one of the first teams in the area or maybe even the U.S. to do something like that for um, uh, black and minority athletes. Congratulations, first of all building both of those communities up to the point where, you know, it's become so, you know, it, it, it's like a brand, it's an official nonprofit was taking it to those next steps. Did they feel natural? Was it something you set out from the beginning to accomplish or, um, and also was it more difficult than you imagined it would be? Or did it feel like this, this is the direction we need to go. Let's make it happen. I mean, the goal was never to create like a business at first. It was just fun. But what I realized with most things that happen in the community where now you have this thing, it always turns into uh, an an organization at some point because now you need resources to keep it going. Mm-hmm. And that's where things change and it's like all right we're looking at what do we need to function properly and to be taken seriously um we need like certifications and coaches and people now are sourcing like they're looking for us and like oh i want to train with you do you have coaches do you have training plans i was like well no not really i guess maybe we need that right right so looking at all these things that are like, all right, now people are sourcing us. We're being featured um, and to be credible in kind of like the environment. And now we're becoming an official USA triathlon club, which is the governing body of the sport. Now we just we need to like tighten up a little bit. And so, you know, I realized after I created a nonprofit, I, it was way more work than I anticipated it being. And it really sucked the fun out of the sport um, for me personally. And I feel a lot of other people on the team felt the same way. Mm. So if I could go back, I mean, I don't know if I regret it because I think it's something that the community needs. Yeah. I was going to say, did you feel like that was a necessary step? It's not going to be fun, but we got to do this to make it continue to be a, you know, a thing. Time for a quick message break to hear from the folks that help make this show possible. Hey folks, if you're like me, it's that time of year where your New Year's resolution or the focuses of the year are starting to, you know, potentially slip and you're starting to need a little bit more help, uh, tap into more of the uh, accountability of a community or just, you know, try to turn your resolutions to be a little more fun. Honestly, Uh, sometimes they can be brutal to try to keep up. Uh, But if that's you and you're looking for this platform where you can take classes that you enjoy and help you to, to stay focused, stay centered, 
um, I really encourage you to check out the Restoration Depot, uh, which is at therestorationdepot.com. And they have classes like yoga, tai chi, essential oils, music, a ton of other stuff. And you can take your first class for only five bucks. Uh, and for, you know, ongoing classes, it's very convenient, very affordable. Um, but sometimes, you know, when you're working at home, like I do, it's really hard to just take that time for yourself every day. You know, it's, you know, I don't even want to tell you what time I'm recording this because it's just ridiculously outside of working hours. Uh, but, you know, I got to do it to fit it in my day. And uh, but it's also unhealthy in the long run. So we need that time every day that we can take for ourselves, focus on doing something healthy, and it's just going to help us in the long run. And so if you're like me and you struggle with that, having the Restoration Depot can really help you make sure you take those classes, be a part of a community, and actually have a little fun in your day. I really encourage you again, check out therestorationdepot.com. And your first class special at checkout is $5. Definitely. I think it needed to be a thing. And I guess the nice thing about a nonprofit is as a founder, you don't have to stay with it. You know, it's not your organization. Mm. It's, it's you created it, but it's not yours. And once I realized that, I felt better about giving it back to the community. Um, and so I completely kind of detached from it a little bit to create the next step because there still remained a huge void and a huge gap that needed to be filled. And I was like, if I could do it again, how would I do it the right way and then still have the same level of impact? And now I know my value and my time, I could make this like my thing, like my business. Is there a way that... I can make it a business, turn into a business and still have the same level of impact that I would from a, like the nonprofit standpoint. And so that's what I did with grit at the end of the day is I combined all the passions into one, like my, my design skills, the coaching, the passion for sport, community service and representation. I just combined them all together just to create that level of representation and competitive edge. Um, to completely bridge that gap um, from entry level to uh, c- competition. How is that journey going with grit? It's going amazing. Like it just feels good. Like you, you know, you 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 get into your group. Um, there's positive energy. There's um, the willingness to give back. It doesn't feel complicated. Um, you, there's sometimes a lot of things from when you're when you're running an organization versus being part of it, they can feel completely they can feel like two different experiences. And I don't feel like I, I'm doing extra work or having to drag people along. And part of that experience of creating grit was um, having more of a intimate family experience. So we have a cap of 20 athletes instead of just opening up the doors and allowing everybody in it's 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 more intimate and i think you can do that from like a for-profit entity but not from a non-profit entity so i think i was successful in creating like those two differences that still impact the community in a similar fashion 
Can you share a story of of an impact or with you know maybe one of your athletes, just just something where you where you you heard the story or saw the effect and saw the change in them or or in yourself and and knew this is the right direction. We made the right decision to start this. Yeah. Oh my God. There's so many. I think so. The first two years of district triathlon was pretty heavily swim focused more so than the biking and running. Was there more of a need for that? Oh yeah. Even still like swimming, like you said before is definitely, it's, it's the most challenging for most people getting to the sport. Yeah. I mean, it's the one I hate the most. That's for sure. (laughs) Right. Even if you're good at swimming, you probably still hate it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like just smelling like chlorine and it's just funny. It's like no one, especially in the wintertime, you don't want to walk out the pool and you're just all ashy and you got stuff to do, man. It's just not fun. <laughs> it being cold? No, there's no way. Right. All that. I think like we would have, so our swim lessons and everything were free. Like membership for the first two to th- two and a half years was free. So everything was free. Like the pool lessons were free instruction was free and we would have we got to the point where too, so many people showed up to the pool that the pool told us that we had to get a permit to get the, and that's what really made us do the membership because the permit was expensive it was like eight hundred dollars every three months for like two lanes it was something ridiculous but we have like 30 to 60 people show up to want to learn how to swim or just swim with other people in the community and it was just I mean it was it was great and people would be in tears and you know when they were able to swim across the pool just one lap for the first time and they could barely you know go a couple yards or meters and like this that like that that was that sealed the deal for me that we're on the right track we're doing something good with people at all ages doing this thing to get to whatever goal they had set out for themselves, whether it was just like a health journey or they're looking to sign up for their first event. And I think second, the second example um, that really drove it home, um, we had written our first grant with the first board of directors that I had with District Triathlon. And we had created a splash and dash for the community. So it was a swim, it was a swim and run. We had partnered with another run club in the in the community called DC Run Crew, and they helped pace the run portion, which was on a trail. And so the grant was completely free for the res- residents, and uh, we we held it in Ward Eight, which is a ward in DC that's highly affected by diabetes, high obesity. It's just in on the health and wellness spectrum. It's uh, on the severely impacted. Um, by negative health and wellness scores and ratings compared to the rest of the city. So we held it at, um, at, a, at a DCPR, DC public facility um, under the mayor's Fit DC Health Initiative program. And that just drove it home. It was completely sold out. I mean, it was free, but we obviously we had to stick within a, a certain capacity and it completely sold out. I mean, like people were in tears. It was the first time many of the people we, we, allowed individual athletes, but also one of the gateways into the sport that we recognize is doing relays. So if you didn't know how to swim, you could be paired with um, someone that knew how to swim and you could do the run so that you can still compete and participate in the event. Um, and that was back in, 
I want to say 2017. Jeez, if, if you're bringing people to tears with with what you're doing, man, you're you're on the right track. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what line of work. If it, if it's moving people that much, you're on the right track. That's incredible. Yeah, it was great to see. I, yeah, I can't imagine. I just what validation, you know, to see that to see that impact on people. Like so, so you know, with, with as much as you've done in the last, you know handful of years what is in the horizon for grit usa now that that's your new passion your new focus what are you looking towards what what's in the immediate future and you know a few years down the road and your hope hopes and dreams with that yeah i think i mean now that we've created like this high school development program like i want to send we talked about pathways earlier i want to send set a high school athlete up to receive a college scholarship in triathlon. I think that would be a pretty ultimate success for me. And then if, if I can, you know, continue to bridge that gap and send, you know, a black triathlete or a minority triathlete to the Olympics to race for the USA, like, I think that's like the top moment for me. That just, that's just representation in my eyes and the sport needs representation. There's only been one black professional triathlete and he's not even in the sport anymore. You know, there still hasn't been black woman pro triathlete. There's one that's close, Sika Henry, um, but she's still not there yet. So I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to go. And then everybody that would fall behind them, I think, it starts with uh, creating these these pathways at a younger age when most people find out about that the sport as an adult, and I think we can do better than that. Absolutely, uh, Marcus, man, your your story is it's there's so many parallels here. You're going against the grain in so many ways. You know, I, I you, you know we make non-alcoholic beer. That, that definitely has has turned some heads in the last few years when we approached you know the the, the gigantic industry that is the brewing industry and just get laughed at. And then now we're actually competing. Now we're actually at the point where it's, we're being forced to be taken serious. And, you know, your story, there's so many parallels with that. So it's awesome to have you on. If you don't mind, I'd love to, to jump into rapid fire where I ask okay. you just some questions where you can answer just, you know, a couple sentences, don't have to be one word. And uh, then we'll wrap this thing up. Perfect. All right, rapid fire number one. What are you most curious about right now outside of triathlons and outside of Grit USA? Um, stocks and Bitcoin. Stocks and Bitcoin. All right, all right. You're you're uh, another passion of yours. Are you pretty uh, Are you pretty active with it, or just kind of in the learning phase? You know, I'm pretty active in stocks, but um, I was in the Bitcoin scene a couple of years ago and. I, I pulled out and now I hear it's getting crazy again. And I'm just like, oh, I gotta, I need to like brush up on it. All right. All right. What is your proudest achievement outside of your career? Oh. Um, and I would say that includes your sports and your coaching. So something, something outside of those two. Outside of sports and coaching, I mean, or is that your whole life? Because <laughs> that's fair too. Right, it feels like that's my whole life. I was like, damn, what do I do? Right. <laughs> well, that's that is my whole life. 
Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, I, I'm still, I still pursue, like my main, I guess, career is, is graphic and, and web design. And I've been pretty successful um, in that regard as well. And I think refining the passion um, as a creative um, has been pretty high on the list. I, I was fortunate to receive um, a Webby Award about two years ago. Um, so to be recognized um, both as for, for two passions that are completely separate have been pretty, pretty great. That's a great example. A Webby Award? I, I didn't expect that. That's just out of left field. Man. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a that's a great answer. Um, all right. Well, you know, then here's here. This will be a good one. Biggest goal not yet achieved. Oh man! And that could be in it with your career, with with you know, whether that's your own athletic career or coaching. Is there a goal in your head that you really want to get get under your belt before before we leave this earth? I say relocate. I want to relocate to a warmer climate. Mm. That's that's a high goal. I want I want I need sun and consistent warmth year round and I want to make that happen at some point. That's a good answer. All right. Two more questions and we'll wrap it up. What's a hobby you have that folks don't talk about? You know, something other than uh, the stocks and bitcoin too or that folks don't know about. I'm sorry. See a hobby. Um I, I like to paint. I like I like golf and I, I like paintball a lot. I used to play semi pro paintball in middle school. What? <laughs> yeah, it was it was a fate. I forget about it at some point. So I was part of um a group, Nesby, uh, the National Society of Black Engineers. Um and one of our projects was to build a computer chip. Um, that did something. And so one of my projects was to to create an electronic, um, I guess, trigger that could fire a projectile. And uh, I applied it to a paintball gun and it, it shot like 20 to 30 rounds a second. Um, and I ended up testing it out and people were impressed and I joined the team and then I created a team and then we got sponsored by a, a, a local paintball shop in, in Virginia and we did tournaments and uh, and then when we left middle school, it, it died because it just wasn't cool. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that. Man, these are great answers for the rapid fire paintball. <laughs> Who, geez, a pro, a semi-pro paintball team of all things. Yeah, I, we, only, we, I played a couple times. And uh, so, last question. I know I'm keeping you too long. Um, what does it mean to you to live without compromise? Oh wow, to live without compromise. Oh man, that's that's interesting. To live without compromise. Um, I think it's going after what you want without fear. I think fear is the biggest roadblock and hurdle for a lot of us. Um, and if you if you give into your fear, you'll you'll lose. And so try try to overcome it. You can't always compromise or settle. You have to go with your gut and what you want. And um, be confident in the decisions you make 
and don't let fear stop you. Coming from somebody who is, who's living that out. That's awesome. Marcus, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is a, this has been great. And I, I, uh, one of my favorite things after any hard workout is beer, right? Yeah. And like, I have to have it. Like we have people on the team and they're like, all right, if anything, if nothing else, I need a beer at the finish line, nice and cold. Like right when I get it, it has to be there for me. And uh, we're talking, look, doing research about like the benefits of having, you know, non-alcoholic beer at a finish line, having athletic brewing as an option definitely feels good at this point now so I can have a have a beverage and it's not going to take a huge toll like having um you know an alcoholic beverage first of all thank you so much for listening it means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show if you'd like to help us further you can leave a review on iTunes share us with your friends your family it goes a long way to grow in the show you can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventure sports And until then, get out there and have some fun. <laughs>